still remember in December of 95, the last heating bill that we paid on both buildings back in 1995, $3,000 for heating for one month. And, and that's a church that, you know, at that time when we came had only like 25, 26 people in worship. So, you know, ministry money. Pass the plate again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, you could pass it a lot of times, but it's yeah, not going to. Yeah. Hello, this is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. And this is the Every Moment His podcast. And today we have uh, two special guests with us, uh, Pastor Gerard Bowling and Pastor John Schmitke from Bethlehem Lutheran Church in St. Louis. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. It's good to have you. And uh, you guys are just uh, hanging out in Nebraska with us a couple days. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pastor Bowling, you preached yesterday. And uh, I think our congregation loves guest preachers. It's, uh, it's just so good <laughs> to have a new voice in the house. Yeah, it's refreshing. <laughs> it's refreshing yeah. for us. I think it's probably refreshing for the congregation, I too. I think it's healthy all around, you know, just it is. hearing other pastors preach, get a new perspective. You have a lot of good stories, you know, you tell a good story. Yeah. It was he, fun. Yeah. Kind of bring people in. Yeah, absolutely. He has a lot of good stories. He does. Yeah. They're good. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, a guest pastor, you don't know what's going on in the church. Uh -huh. You can just you lay it down, whatever just you say want to what talk you about. Say. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Then leave and let you Yeah, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Right. Well, uh, we're going to talk about a few things today. Really, uh, our, our conversation gonna, is going to focus on your congregation, uh, urban ministry uh, in St. Louis, uh, long history of the congregation, kind of how you got to where you are today. Uh, what some of the challenges and opportunities are there. And just a little bit of background, I think most of our listeners here at Holy Cross will know uh, that we've been involved with uh, the summer program with, with, um, uh, financially with that and uh, that you have there at Bethlehem. And then also we sent uh, a group down from our college ministry who just came down and uh, just really kind of interested in this partnership. And, and so uh, for our listeners, uh, most of them will be familiar with Bethlehem from this past summer uh, but even more now that you uh, preached uh, yesterday, Pastor Bowling, and and then we have a presentation tonight uh, that both yes. of you are going to give. So looking forward to that. Now, before we get too far in, all of our listeners are on the edge of their seats because yeah. uh, we have a dad joke lined up, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is kind of yeah. the way we do it. So 
We'll see, okay? So I, I, I personally really like this one. So uh, what happened when the, the red ship collided with the blue ship in the Caribbean? Wow, what? We just were waiting. <laughs> all, all the passengers were marooned. Uh, oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah I yeah. just took a second. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a Gilgan's Island yeah. type of. It's a knee slapper. Yeah. Well, the real. I find, you know, kids who do a lot of coloring really like, really like that joke. Mm-hmm. Who know yeah. what the color maroon is. You have is. to know the color maroon. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, so. <laughs> On with business. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, just kind of tell us about your, your, your family, ministry, uh, Pastor Bowling, you want to tell us about your family and, and sure. your calling to ministry? And, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm originally from New York City, um, and I was born and raised there. Um, my wife and I met in college at Concordia, Chicago, um, and we started dating and did the whole thing and, and then went to seminary together and uh, got married kind of later on in the years of seminary. Um, while we were at the SEM, we actually field worked at Bethlehem. Mm. Um, and so that rolled into Vicarage, which rolled into a call, which rolls into today, right? Um, my wife is a Lutheran school teacher, so she teaches at Word of Life Lutheran School. Mm-hmm. Uh, she teaches preschool. And we have a five-year-old named Lincoln and a three-year-old named Monroe. Um, both our kids are born on the same day. They have the same oh. birthday. Oh. Almost at the same time, too. Wow. It's convenient. Uh, and the same birth weight, eight pounds, nine ounces. So it's huh. easy for me to remember. I'm go. glad they did huh. that for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so October 5th is a special day in our house. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Good. I always knew I wanted to be a pastor. I kind of had this call in my heart to be a pastor. Um, the pathway there was um, a little bit different. Um, so my parents did not always attend the Lutheran church with us. So really my sister and I attended together. We went to St. Peter in Brooklyn and, uh, Pastor Banky would send us out to all these events in the Midwest all the time. Um, and so at one of those events, exploring church careers, I had an experience where I was praying in the chapel at Concordia Seminary, St. Timothy, St. Titus. And mm-hmm. I was from New York. I was there early. The admissions counselors weren't working yet. And so I just knelt and prayed and, I remember in that experience, I felt like God really wanted me to be there in that place. And, yeah. um, and there was a peace. And hmm. a few years later, I was there studying and married and kids and everything else. So it was good stuff. Very cool. And you teach as well mm-hmm. uh, at the university level, mm-hmm. uh, Concordia, Texas. Yeah. Right? I teach leadership and theology for Concordia University, Texas. Okay. Yeah, and I have all online students, which is fun. Hmm. Um, it's also fun to see them in their different contexts and where they are with kids or this or that or, um, you know, battling sicknesses and stuff like that, but still trying to make education work. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Pastor Schmidt, Keith. So I, uh, I'm married. Um, actually, Pastor Bowling is about the age of my kids. Um, so it's kind of an interesting relationship. Uh, good relationship, really good relationship. I think um, I think I've almost been at Bethlehem as old as you are. I was born in 1990. Yeah, I came in 1989, so that's kind of wild. But uh, Pastor Bowling is a tremendous partner in the ministry, and he opens my eyes in so many ways of of understanding my kids and understanding that generation. Helps keep me relevant, really, and that that's something I really treasure about him. Um, I'm married. My wife is a school teacher as well. She's retired now. She's a special ed teacher. So she taught right in the heart of St. Louis Public School District for a lot of years. And 
Now she teaches at a Lutheran school three days a week um, in special ed. And we have four children, three boys and one girl. We have uh, grandchildren too. We have two, two of our children are in town and two grandchildren. And then our other two children are out of town. And one has three grandchildren of ours and then one has one. So it's, it's, a, it's a good time of life for us in that way. I came to Bethlehem after coming from a church that I was at in Peoria, Illinois for two years. I, I too went back to my vicarage and served there for two years. It was a good experience for me. And then came to Bethlehem in 1989. I bought a call into the ministry. You know, I, I grew up as a GPK, I, I guess a grandfather pastor's, well, grandfather's kid, a GK. So my grandfather was a pastor. He died early in my life, like about second grade. But um, before he died, I mean, that's what I wanted to be all my life. In fact, one of his congregations uh, made me like mini pastor robes and stuff. And and, uh, so we played church at our house Mm -hmm. and stuff. And that was that was good. And then uh, in high school and early college, I did kind of a sidetrack. I've been musical all my life, and I decided I was going to try to be a professional musician for a while. And that was really a sidetrack because I was wanting to do that for all the wrong reasons. I was good at it. I I played professionally um, already in high school, gigged and stuff. And then God got my attention back the end of my freshman year in in, uh, college. So it's been a, it's been a good life and, um, an interesting one. I'm from Wisconsin. My wife's from New Jersey. We met in Rochester, New York at Eastman School of Music. And it was a God thing that brought us together there too. So we've seen so many of those God things in our lives. Hmm. So about 30 years then 30 at Bethlehem. Okay. Yeah. Okay, wow. So, um, and I guess if from what I know about Bethlehem, that's even a small part of Bethlehem's history because it's a, it's a historic congregation in North St. Louis. It's been there for quite a while. This is a big question, but can you just talk about the history of Bethlehem and, and how that's kind of all led to now? Well, it's an old church, like you said, 1849, but it's like a young church too in that on a Sunday morning, 75% of everybody who's there is 50 or under. Mm-hmm. And so that's, a, that's a, a, an exciting dynamic. At the same time, um, you know, a lot of people, when they hear that, they'll be like, wow, I wish my church, <clears throat> excuse me, I wish my church was like that. Uh, there's a good part of it, but here's the bad part of that. <laughs> we miss people who are, you know, 55 to 75, we miss them. We miss their. We miss that that their kids are grown, usually out of the house, so they've got more time. They've got experience of leadership. They've got usually their house is paid off by them. They've got disposable income. Um, they've been around, so they've seen how church works. But God's taking care of that. So I think one of the exciting things about that, about the 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 journey at Bethlehem, is that. Like I'm thinking of a young lady who was seven years old when I came. She's 39 now. And her Mm -hmm. parents never went to the church. 
they still don't go to church. But she's 39 now and raising her kids in the church. Yeah, incredible. Wow. And that's exciting. Yeah. I think it's kind of a uh, blessing of a long tenure at a church, too. You kind of see these developments over time, like whole generations uh, growing up in the church, having their own kids. I yeah. think that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. It's, it's exciting to see how, how kids, you know, grow, like the kids of kids today. Um, and, you know, not just baptism. That can be a shorter tenure, but confirmation class of kids that I confirmed when they were kids. Mm-hmm. It's neat. Um, now, 1849, uh, that's a long time ago. <laughs> uh, it... Are you in the same building, or is it a different building, or what? So we were in a we were in an eleven hundred seat sanctuary that was falling apart and falling mm-hmm. down. So we left that sanctuary in in nineteen ninety five, um, and and that kind of hits another thing about Bethlehem. We love our we love our places of worship. Um, we're sitting in the Holy Cross Sanctuary now, beautiful place, and I think we love them because there's so many memories that we have of intimacy with God in places. But at Bethlehem in 1995, we were facing eighty thousand dollars of immediate work, mm. and about two and a half to three million dollars of work to restore that building. We have a church, had a church building, we had a school building, a four-story school building, which is our ministry building now. And um, I still remember in December of 95, the last heating bill that we paid on both buildings back in 1995, $3,000 for heating for one month. Hmm. And, And that's a church that, you know, at that time when we came had only like, 25, 26 people in worship. So, you know, ministry money. Pass get, the plate again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that, yeah. Well, that, you could pass it a lot of times, but it's yeah, not going to. Yeah, sure. Wow. So we moved out of that. Like a lot of Lutheran churches, we had a bowling alley. And um, so we wrecked the bowling alley. It was already wrecked, but we gutted the bowling alley and we created the sanctuary in the bowling alley. And that's been an incredible blessing for us. So we're centralized in one building that has a bowling, is our sanctuary, the old bowling alley on the first level, classrooms on the second level, and a gymnasium on the third level. So it's, it's, a, it's a good building that's really useful for ministry. The neighborhood also changed too from the <clears throat> mid to late 1800s to 2021, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the neighborhood, I think, was was the idea behind it is that these people would live in these big, beautiful homes and that they'd work close by and they'd raise really big families. We have beautiful homes right by us, right? That, um, that was the plan for the area. Uh, and the way things just sort of shook out in the 1900s, it became more of a, an economically depressed community. Um, those homes began to be a place where they would kind of be ghosts, right, to what was happening. Um, or the original plan for them. They were falling down and falling over, and some still are. Um, And so the community changed, and with that came kind of a shift in demographic, too, to be more of an African-American community. Um, And so the change has shifted with us, too, right, in that direction as well. So if you look at a picture of 1855 Bethlehem, right, (laughs) it will look very different than 2021 Bethlehem because we're Mm -hmm. reaching the people that are right around us and Mm -hmm. the people of our time here, so... 
And I think a, a, a big part of Bethlehem is that it's, it's a missionally, missionally permissive place. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people can get stuck as those shifts occur. And, and Bethlehem got stuck for a while. Yeah. But yeah. Um, today, I mean, our, our, um, our spaces are able to be used for a whole multiplicity of events um, that bring Christ to people. It's pretty much a whatever it takes. So we have ministry today that reaches kids through basketball. The gym is a real magnet for us. Um, our ministry is through kids. Holy Cross, you know, helped us last summer with that. That's huge. You, we, we would love to be able to say we're going to open the doors and families are going to come in, but that's not going to be the way it's going to be in our world. We're going to reach the kids. We're going we're gonna to aim to help raise the kids up, which is sort of what Lutherans have always done, is raise kids up. But what's different in our place is very likely we're going to raise the kids up without their parents. We love it if we get some parents, but by and large, it's mostly kids and youth coming to church on their own, and the church, the, the family of God that's gathered, really needs to become the family for those kids that are growing up mm-hmm. in a whole host of ways. Mm-hmm. It makes me think a little bit of what we read, and we're going through Mark's gospel right now, and uh, a few weeks ago Jesus said, and I think Mark chapter 10, in the context of the rich young man, that you know anybody who's left you know fathers or mothers or mm-hmm. you know homes yeah. you know that they'll receive it back in this life you know brothers and sisters and mothers um, that the church is a family even if we don't have that faith connection with our family and yeah we've thought about that a lot here too as we have college students that come in who are kind of <coughs> away from home and they they need a faith family uh, while yeah. they're here yeah. Yeah, and it's not easy to accomplish that. I mean, I think in your context, it might be a little bit different, but here, I mean, it's the same kind of thing. It's like, how do you find the time to to connect with people at a level where there's going to be a mutual trust? And I mean, it doesn't just, often it doesn't happen in a 60-minute service. No. You know, it has to happen uh, through meals together, through, you know, sharing life together, through, you know, weeping with those who are weeping and rejoicing with those who are rejoicing. And it takes time, right? It really does take a, a large investment. Um, so I imagine you, you're doing a lot of that. Yeah. It takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy, too, mm-hmm. out of people. Um, but we make the best of it at the same time in what we do in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to kids, what I love about the approach of a lot of our leaders is that it's it's kind of a holistic approach, right? So it's not just let's do programmatic ministry to kids and at the program we're reaching them and we kind of want to just leave it there. But we want them to come to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But guess what? When a kid comes to church on Sunday in the church van, they come by themselves. They need somebody to sit with, right? So we rely on the congregation. Pastor Schmicky and I can't go out there and sit down on a Sunday morning. Right. We rely on them to be able to be that literal family to those kids at that time and worship with them. And some of those memories, those kids will never forget. Right. Having somebody with them and somebody saying, oh, do you need uh, uh, some water? Let me take you and things like that. Um, That's what it means to be the family of God in a different level, even than the scriptures kind of implied to. 
Yeah, and you had mentioned that in your sermon yesterday, and any of our listeners uh, go back and listen to Pastor Bowling's sermon. It'll be on the podcast. Um, but uh, you had mentioned the way that that the kids or the missionaries, like they're the ones who are hearing the word. I love that when you said, uh, we learned about uh, the Lamb of God, which is like, is like, it's not a real lamb, it's a Jesus lamb. <laughs> so that was great. <laughs> and, you know, bringing that home. But then also, you know, you talked about your, your volunteers, your team leaders who, you know, it's not just the pastors who are doing the ministry, which I think we can get so focused on called ministry staff and not recognizing how the people that we worship with are equipped to, to go and, and be missionaries. Yeah. I think it was it was a hard time the last year and a half to 20 months with COVID too because of when you have a, a base, where, a church base that you're so um, aggressive to youth and kids and families that um, are in the church and that they embrace kind of an extended family, you know, you get to a place sometimes in worship where as worship was coming back, you know, people were... were understandably concerned about their own health before vaccinations came and mm-hmm. um, so what do we do in that you know and I think last summer it was right around Memorial Day that we made a real pivot in the ministry and that was for there was a time that I think our church many other churches maybe Holy Cross was in this place too that at the beginning, we thought, okay, we're going to kind of wait this out a little moment, and then everything's going to flip back to normal. Well, it didn't. In May, right around Memorial Day, we kind of made a decision to say, we're going to go for it um, as far as go back to what we do, reaching kids, reaching youth, being the family you know, on Sunday mornings, being the family beyond Sunday mornings. And yeah, we're going to have pauses you know, where somebody may get exposed or where it's wise to just Okay, hold back for for a week or two or whatever it has to be. But then we're going to go right back at it because that's the call God's given us in our place. How, how did your community respond to that? Like especially those kids that you're trying to reach, how did they respond to that kind of initiative? So initially when COVID first came out, mm-hmm. I think everybody was in emergency mode, right? Everybody mm-hmm. was just trying to deal with what do we do about school? What's mm-hmm. going to happen here with this moving piece, that moving piece? I think in our community, what we knew and what mode we went into was we can't just turn our service valve off, right? We can't just say we're going to stop everything and all our outreach ministries. As I kind of shared yesterday, um, the reliance on the program uh, and the programs that we employ uh, goes beyond just the time of the night, right? Those relationships are vital to our kids. Um, those relationships help to kind of get them um, kicked into gear missionally, yeah, but also they may be the only meaningful relationship in one of those kids' lives, right? So we kind of went into an emergency zone of how do we deliver lessons or deliver content digitally for a while, um, but always with the intention of going back to -to person-to-person contact. Um, And really it just became a war of getting the leaders on board with it. Um, and having the leaders get comfortable with it and starting from smaller groups and then spanning it out and then spanning it out. One thing that we're really aware of is that if we don't do the work in our context where we are, there's not many other people who do what we do. In Mm -hmm. fact, I would say Mm -hmm. nobody reaches some areas Mm -hmm. that we go into. I mean, you think of the... Uh, the Mike Brown incident and what happened in Ferguson and all those churches that were on TV talking about, oh, we're going to get this done in this area or we're going to do this or this or that. And 
setting up programs and giving out food. Well, when we drive through Northwinds and Canfield today, those churches are gone, right? Mm -hmm. When the cameras are gone, the churches are gone. Um, so it's up to us to carry out mission and do mm -hmm. ministry there as well. Um, so we just started smaller, and we kind of spanned out to a little bit bigger. And we had shutdowns. Um, we had instances of COVID. We had scares and things like that. Um, but we made it abundantly clear that we weren't going anywhere because of those shutdowns. We were just going to go on pause and then keep going. Yeah. I think our community, too, saw COVID differently because of how the character of the community is. Mm -hmm. So there's shooting in our community. There's death in our community of young kids and, you know, um, uh, youth and young adults. And so I think for some people, for some people, uh, when COVID came, it was kind of staring in the mirror death kind of for the first time for a lot of people. In our community, sometimes people would look at it to say, okay, COVID Shooting, COVID, gangs, COVID, you know, and those things. And so I think it became one of a, a lot of challenges, um, not the, the challenge and the moment, which takes us back really to mission. That's why it was so important, I think, for us to get back to things and not to let this hold back because it's mm. that vital. Mm-hmm. So, Pastor Smith Key, when you, when you came to Bethlehem in 1989, um, was the congregation predominantly white? Was it predominantly African-American? Was it kind of both? I mean, what, like, and then I guess kind of an added question to that is, is as you've got to where you are today, did, um, what was the, kind of like the process of building trust mm -hmm. look like? 90% um, white. 90% commuting, 90% elderly. My kids were really the only kids in the church. And so we went out, we had vacation Bible school my second week there, and then we started this outreach Bible program on Wednesdays. It still runs to today, uh, following up on vacation Bible school. I think trust was easily built in a lot of ways in the sense that with the, with the community, Kids in our community are looking for things to do. That's why, I mean, like when it, Holy Cross family, when you came last, um, last summer and said, hey, what if we were to help you guys open a third campus, which just blew everybody's mind and magnified what we could do. It was great. I mean, coming out of COVID, so we didn't have our summer program um, in 2020, but then last summer, the, back in 2019, our summer program would have had in attendance about 60 to 65 kids a day. We thought, oh, that's great. Well, so 2021 should have stepped back to what, 40? Mm -hmm. 2021 was 105 kids average mm -hmm. a day at three different campuses, a total of 105. There's such a need, such an opportunity, such a craving for love and family. And um, that's where we in the family of God have the perfect open door from Jesus. Jesus.